You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Much appreciated. Um, another off-season, as far as we're concerned. I mean, the players cares about that, other than the fact the Pats are gone. Uh, but it's time for the Jets fans to uh, look back at 2019 and, more importantly, look forward at what the, what the NFL draft and what NFL free agency has in store for us. And I am joined by my co-host, as, uh, as per usual. Except last week, Alex wasn't with us. Alex, I believe, what was it? You were in such a drunken stupor after the new year that you did not realize what day of the week it was. Is that correct? We went off uh, and started the new year with a bang. <laughs> and I uh, got my days mixed up with all these holidays in the middle of the week. But I'm glad to be back on track. All right, Alex. So, um, so obviously... The season didn't go as many had hoped. Seven and nine. The 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 Adam Gase contingents. The the there is the pro and anti Adam Gase uh, faction. I like the fact that you and I represent one of each because I don't think it's good to have uh you know uh, people agree on every single thing. Um, and it's all right to be wrong, Alex. It's I don't mind you supporting Adam Gase. I get your optimism, but you know, uh, <laughs> we it, listen, we, we we can't be right all the time. You know, sometimes you gotta you gotta just be wrong about stuff. I've been wrong. Listen, I thought that um, let's see, let, we I think we've done a show, haven't we? Where we talked about our biggest our biggest misses on our uh, our draft projections on who would be good and who would not. Um, and we yeah we we've all had our misses, you know, and it, it's not limited only to players. Sometimes we think bad head coaches are good, but you know, listen, we'll find out in time. And and yeah, hey, as much time too. as as much time as I spend trashing uh, Adam Gase, I hope for nothing more than for that dude to prove me dead wrong. I hope one day we're doing this show, and you're like, dude, can you believe all that trash you talked about Adam Gase, and now we're on our fourth Lombardi Trophy with this guy? Like, I would <laughs> nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier. This is a, this is Anybody a fun thing. Anybody wouldn't want that. You're you're crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, I I I do this show and I do the Jet Nation thing because I'm a I I love this team and uh, as as crazy as they make me, and I don't uh, I don't I don't I don't take myself too seriously. I have my days where they make me lose my mind, but I always remind myself. I say, Glenn, you idiot, you're just a dopey fan. You're a guy with a podcast who likes to talk about the Jets, and that's fine. But listen, sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. I get it. Uh, on the Gase thing, I happen to think I'm right. But obviously, I mean, why would I say it if I wasn't? But we'll find out in time. In time, Alex. Uh, so Let's Joe Douglas talked to the media this week. He he went on uh, the Michael K show. And these things are they, – they're, isn't it, Alex? We're diehard fans, so we listen to these things. But we know. He's not going to say anything about any substance, right? I mean, he's not going right. to come on and be like, "Yeah, guys, we got to look, we got to look at moving Le'Veon." He was kind of a maniac in the locker room. Like, like we're not going to get that. Everything's going to be. Everyone was great. Everyone was fine. We wish we could sign everybody to a lifetime contract because everyone does everything we ask them, and it's all wonderful. But uh, so it's 
But did you, Alex, did you catch that interview with Joe Douglas, and was there anything you pulled from it that you thought was meaningful? Um, you're talking about his year-end press conference? Uh, yeah, that, and, and he, he because uh, for some reason, I, something to do with Michael Kay wasn't around. He basically wasn't able to do their show, so he did the Michael Kay show a few days ago. I mean, he said a lot of the same stuff. We love Le'Veon, Le'Veon loves us, everything's, you know, him and Adam are best friends, they're going to go bowling this weekend, all that stuff. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of it, you know, sometimes you have to not fall for, these guys are always have, like, you know, like the Jets with their scripted plays, these guys have their their, their scripts out and, and how they want to address certain players, and a lot of it sounds like coach speak, and like you said, it, it would be a really, really bad look if the GM were to come out here and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, Mike McCagden was a fool paying that much money for, you know, a running back and, and going after, you know, an injured guard. Like, of course, they're going to try to, you know, pump up their guys and, and talk about how much they love them, even if they have emails or, you know, offers on the table from other teams are always going to paint a pretty, the prettiest picture that, you know, that you can imagine. So um, I like some of the things he had to say, um, some of the things, uh, you know, kind of, teetered between coach speak and and maybe this is how he really feels so uh we'll really get a good grasp of everything you know once uh the 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 real off-season stuff starts and they start letting guys go and and then we start to see maybe some household names you know getting offers from other teams and and we'll really see his true colors and where he lies with particular players you know the you can't hide from those things and, and the moves that you make, but you can definitely make it sound um, or, or just say the things that pretty much everyone wants to hear. Um, so we'll, we'll see, you know, if he's a man of his word in, in a few months. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to have a lot to cover on today's show because what we're going to do, we're going to go over because, and you know, Alex and I spoke briefly before the show for the last few months, I feel like all of the free agent talk, in-house free agent talk specifically and myself and Alex have been as guilty of it as anyone um but it's it's it, Twitter it's Facebook everywhere you're looking about the Jets jetnation.com forums which by the way if you are not on the forums at jetnation.com get on those forums it is a great time with fellow Jets fans to share your opinions sometimes friendly sometimes not so friendly but uh do your best to keep it cordial jetnation.com forums Check it out. Literally, it's, it's the most active Jets fan message board on the internet. So, uh, some really, really knowledgeable posters on there and some really not so knowledgeable posters. But give it a look. It's a great time, uh, especially as a, as a time killer, if you have that to do. But what we're going to do um, free agency, in house free agents, whether it's been me, Alex, Twitter, Facebook, Jet Nation forums, we've all been talking about Robbie Anderson, Jordan Jenkins. Brian Poole, top three in-house free agents, they, should they retain them? If they should retain them, what should they pay? Should they just walk away and not even make an offer? Um, but I'll tell you what, this team has a lot of free agents. There's a lot. Like I, I knew there was a lot, Alex, so I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, when I looked it up the other day, there, there is a lot, and then there's a few more after a lot. They have a, a ton of guys of the, of the unrestricted variety. Then, of course, there are the restrictive, restricted and the exclusive rights free agents guys. Uh, you know, many of them will probably come back. So, but but let's let's start with the in-house free agents, Alex, and we'll go player by player, 
how serious and it's you know it's it's not all black and white you know some guys are like well bring them back under these conditions bring them back you know the the cat the 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 circumstances under which you would bring them back where you wouldn't where's the right price things like that so we'll start at the top um number 1 Alex I think we can just uh we can just forego the number 1 uh th- this is ranked by by 2019 salary I think we can quickly agree on Ryan Khalil Alex should Ryan Khalil be coming back uh, thank you for your service, and um, have a nice life. All right, moving right along. Number two, <laughs> number two, number uh, two, the more one of the more interesting guys, Kelvin Beecham, left tackle. What do you do with Kelvin Beecham, Alex? Do you make an offer? Do you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not even gonna. I'm not, no no questions to lead the witness here. What what do you do with a Kelvin Beecham if you're the Jets? Yeah, he's. He's a little bit of a tough one. Um, he's clearly the best offensive lineman that we have, and and that's not really saying much as I would put him right in where you would want an average tackle to be, in my opinion. Uh, so I see him kind of as a as an average player. Um, if you're looking at the free agent list, as I'm doing right now, what it really kind of seems like is that if you want – a veteran left tackle, um, you're either going to have to pay somebody that should be retiring um, and, 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 you know, working on the, the next part of their life, or you're going to have to settle for, you know, possibly somebody like Calvin Beecham at 30 years old, um, maybe a Greg Robinson, uh, you know, from Cleveland, which I'm not sure, uh, you know, where he lies. Uh, but you're going to have to pay for at least a veteran um, if you want to replace a left tackle before you get into the draft or, or possibly uh, look somewhere else on the offensive line and then kind of push your chips into that position and target that as one of your highest priorities into the draft. So I'm kind of on the fence with Calvin Beecham at this point. Um, if the market dries up real fast, I wouldn't mind bringing him back if it was a team-friendly deal, but I definitely would not want to be paying him uh, you know, more than like $10 million um, to come back, to be quite honest with you. I just don't think there's the value of where he's at right now. If I'm going to spend that kind of money and it's only going to be for a couple of years, then I wouldn't really mind going for somebody like an Anthony uh, uh, Castanzo um, from Indianapolis instead, even though, you know, he's at 32 and probably has another year or two left of quality play which would give Joe Douglas a, you know, a little bit of a time to, to find his replacement or maybe draft somebody that you could coach up for 2021 or 2022. So depending on how the money aspect is, um, it wouldn't be the worst-case scenario bringing Calvin Beecham back, but I wouldn't mind improving that position. Okay, all good points. Here, here's my feeling on the Calvin Beecham situation. Um, you can't. Here, here's here's what you have to look at if you're the Jets. If you don't re-sign Kelvin Beecham, at and I agree, it's got to be in the 10 million range, not really 10. Like I wouldn't go more than like 10, 11, um, in that range. If you don't sign him, and listen, we have no idea what the hell is going to happen between now and the draft, or what's going to happen on draft. But there are no shortage of mock drafts that have the top three left tackles going in the top 10. So if you're the Jets and you don't sign Kelvin Beecham, and the top three tackles who are viewed as, like, the guys ready to go now 
If those guys are gone, then who the hell is protecting Sam Darnold? Do you reach for a round two graded prospect in round one? Or do you sign a journeyman left tackle who may not be quite as good as Beecham? Because, listen, Kelvin Beecham, as much heat as he gets from Jets fans, he plays a premium position. And you said it, Alex. You said he's an average tackle. I 100% agree with that. He is average. But for an average left tackle, you got to pay. So if I'm the Jets, yep. I str- I'm not going to say I definitely bring Kelvin Beecham back, but I am leaning hard toward bringing him back, like strongly, strongly considering bringing Kelvin Beecham back. Because as I said, if you say, you know what, Kelvin, thanks for everything, we're going to let you go, the top three tackles go in the top ten, then what? Then who's pre- I mean, the, the objective of this offseason is supposed to be protecting Sam Darnold and getting him some weapons. That's, that's the job one and 1A. One Protect him, get him some targets. So you let Kelvin Beecham walk, and you have to go into next year with, you know what, Chuma Adoga? I mean, that's not going to happen. He was, he was, he's not going to be a left tackle anytime soon. I mean, that, that's another conversation. But, yes, I, if I'm the Jets, I, I make Kelvin Beecham an offer. Um, here's the problem, though. I'm, I'm thinking you, I'll make him a, a two-year offer um, with, that can make him up to sort of 10, maybe even say 12 if it's incentive-based, 10, 12 million a year based on playing time incentives, knowing you project someone to take his job. So he won't really make that 10 to 12, but he knows that. So is he willing to do that, or is there a team out there? Because, listen, as bad as the Jets' offensive line is, there are other bad offensive lines. And there might be a team out there that's desperate enough that maybe, say, is picking in the mid-teens, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, and they know they're not getting a top left tackle. Maybe they say, you know what, man? Let's give Kelvin Beecham two years, $22 million, and we can try to draft the left tackle next year if we're a little bit higher or if we think there's one that's going to fall to us. So because the, the premium on the position, I know, again, I'm well aware of the fact that a lot of fans don't like Kelvin Beecham. I don't care. I know that there are a lot of times, there are a lot of plays where Kelvin Beecham, fans get on him because he, he doesn't hold his ground as well as you'd like but he still keeps the quarterback upright. And yes, there are days where he gets beat by elite pass rushers. You know who else gets beat by elite pass rushers? Like 99% of the tackles in the NFL. I'm not going to not sign Kelvin Beecham. I'm not going to not sign Kelvin Beecham because elite pass rushers do the same thing to him that they do to almost every other guy they face. That's that's it, And we see it all the time in the NFL with, with fans. We can't sign this guy... Because I remember that one day where he got his ass kicked by this dude who's been to the Pro Bowl five times. All right, well, that's, that's how you get to the Pro Bowl. You kick most guys' asses all the time. So Kelvin Beecham is not Anthony Munoz, but he sure as hell isn't Wayne Hunter. He's a mid-tier guy. Mid-tier guys make $10 million. If I'm the Jets, I bring back Kelvin Beecham. Now, I said we've talked about Robbie. We've talked about Poole. We've talked about Jenkins. We'll do those guys again, though. We're doing the whole list. So next up, again, this is all based on what these guys made last year. Robbie Anderson is next on the list. What do you do? What do you offer? Where do you stand, Alex? Yeah, Robbie's a tough one um, because it. I was, I was pretty shocked. Um, he put out a tweet um, a few days before his season-ending in, um, interview, and he had said that he'd rather be – rich in wisdom and something spiritual than, than have a lot of money. And then two days, three days later, he's telling reporters it would be illogical if he didn't try to test the market to see how much value he could get for himself. Cause 
I guess at this point, he knows his worth. He knows that he has a skill set that is of value to any NFL team. And basically, you know, if you want to read between the lines here, why should I give the Jets a friendly discount when they've tagged me the last couple of years and they've had multiple opportunities to extend me long term and they haven't? So that's kind of how I saw it. I, I really see Robbie Anderson on another team next year. Um, maybe possibly following uh, one of his favorite coaches, Matt Rule, down in Carolina. Uh, maybe that's a possibility or, or somewhere else. Um, you know, Philadelphia was knocking on our door for him as well. So I'd love to see Robbie on a team-friendly deal. Uh, I don't see it happening. Maybe he, he gets that, that 10 to $11 million deal, and I'd be quite comfortable with that, to be honest with you. But if we're talking anywhere between 12 to $14 million, I'd much rather pony up another uh, few million dollars and throw that at somebody elite like an Amari Cooper instead uh, who's comparable in age and, in my my uh, opinion, um, is a way better uh, wide receiver. Uh, I think Robbie's really great, um, but I just think that a player like Amari Cooper uh, with his route running ability and just basically a playmaker that can just burn a defense kind of in the same manner as uh, Robbie Anderson. But I think he can do a lot more off of a lot less in shorter routes and, and really, really hurt teams. So I'd rather put up big dough and a lot of money for a player like Amari Cooper than I would over a player like Robbie Anderson at this point. Um, And a player like him should actually – let fans know that you can find quality talent in the draft and even in the UDFA process because that's where he came from. Um, you know, we had players like, you know, Deontay Burnett, um, Jeff Smith off the tra- uh, trash heap, and you know, we found Vincent Smith. These guys aren't, you know, uh, world-class wide receivers, but we did find ways to get these guys uh, involved and make some plays and uh, they were not held in high regard. So I do feel like we can find a replacement for him, even though it hurts to say so. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact they can find a replacement, that's obvious, but it's, it's a matter of will they. And, you know, I look back, and I, I've had this discussion with people from, from my money in the time I've been a Jets fan, which is now on, what am I, how old am I? Like 32 years I've been a fan of this team. Um, outside of Altoon, there hasn't been a better deep threat as a Jet than Robbie Anderson, it, for my money. Uh, some people say Santana Moss. To me, I guess you could put Moss in that category, but he was a lot of catch and run um, right. and, and didn't have the height that Robbie would have. And I, I, and I don't – listen, I don't care what anybody says. I, in my opinion, the only reason Robbie Anderson doesn't have three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons is each of the last three years he has had to play, what, at least four games with absolute garbage quarterback play. And I don't – not listen, I know – a couple of years ago, Josh McCown was fantastic, but Josh McCown year two with the Jets when he came in as a backup, whether it was McCown That's or the coordinator, great. he was terrible. So Robbie Anderson had four games with a, and I might, maybe it was three, maybe it was five, whatever, a handful. Let's say a handful. Had a handful of games with Bryce Petty, who was garbage. Had a handful of Josh McCown, who in year two with the Jets was garbage. And then this year had a handful of games with Trevor Simeon, who was garbage. And yet he's still finishing with seven, 800 yards a year. If, yep. if he has decent quarterback play 
All he's got to do is average 45, 55 yards a game, and he's got three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. And there's the chemistry aspect. We want you gotta. We I don't want an entire new slew of receivers, and I, and I don't I don't disagree, Alex. In terms of uh, Amari Cooper's a better player, but I'm looking at it, and we'll, we'll get into this more later when we talk about free agency. Um, you know the who the Jets should be pursuing, and it, you know if you're talking about a million dollars or two million, I can live with saying yeah, take this guy over that guy. But if if the reports, I mean, this was during the season. I don't know if things have changed. But my understanding, from what I've read, is that Amari Cooper's looking for roughly $20 million a year. Oof. Now, do I, would I prefer Robbie at 13 or Amari at 20? $7 million, that might be a starter. That might be another player that you might be able to sign to start for you that you now can't because you've got Amari Cooper. So I would prefer Robbie at, at say, you know, I think I said I would, Robbie, I would top out at 11. But the more I think about it, the caps. Every team is going up. I think they're. I think they're estimating the salary cap's going to go up ten million. And we've talked, you know, and, and we'll discuss this tonight. You know, who's going to go? You know, if Brian Winters is let go, if Daryl Roberts is let go, that right there is thirteen million. So let, look at it this way: Brian Winters was because of injuries of no value to this team last year. Daryl Roberts wasn't a whole lot better than that. So if you're telling me that I have to trade. Brian Winters and Daryl Roberts for Robbie Anderson in 2020, I make that deal 100 times out of 100. So there's your Robbie money right there. Winters and Roberts gone. Salary cap is estimated to go up at least $10 million, and you're still sitting at around $75 million in cap space after you bring Robbie Anderson back. I'm bringing Robbie Anderson back. That's me. Brian Poole, corner, slot guy, only made $3 million this year. I think he'll be in line for a big pay bump. He had a really good season. Um, I had people saying, saying, you know, because I tweeted this last week, something about it. I don't even remember my exact tweet. You know, oh, I, that's right. I, I pulled, put some numbers together in my head and said, you know, if you want to sign this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, it's going to take this much money. And someone replied and said, oh, well, I only come up with this much. because Brian Poole, $3 million. Brian Poole made $3 million this year. He's not making $3 million again next year. I think he's going to yeah. be in the sort of $6, 7000000 million range after the way he played. Slot corners have become vital in today's NFL and he had himself a really good season. So what do you do for Brian Poole, Alex? Do you try to re-sign him? If so, how much are you willing to pay? Yeah, he, he's an interesting guy. And, and I heard this take um, not too long ago because he's he was kind of a borderline in between uh, cornerback and, and a little bit of a safety, kind of a hybrid. Um, didn't have too much of a huge role. Um, in Atlanta, they had some injuries, so he kind of was next man up, and that's how he got some of his playing time. But Atlanta didn't want to, uh, you know, keep his keep him for for his talent level. And the Jets got a bit a very very uh, good deal this year. Uh, it's one of the the better signings that Mike McCagnan had made before he left. Um, he played very well, um, but I I kind of feel that he was more of a product of Greg Williams' scheme and his defense, um, if anything at all. And the only reason why I say that is because when he went out, there was a particular players like Nate Harrison, Arthur Mollette, even Daryl Roberts that had to come in in a pinch uh, when Poole and Adams were hurt. And a lot of these guys stepped up and they made plays. Um, they, they did well in coverage. I think Nate Harrison had a interception the week that the first week that Poole was out. So I, I kind of feel that with having a mastermind in Greg Williams, 
I feel like he can replicate that the same kind of results with someone younger or maybe someone new or even somebody in the draft um, is kind of how I'm seeing it. And I don't know if you want to commit to a player who's going to be 28 years old um, this year and kind of near, be near the back end of his career. You have to remember, we gave um, another player on this team a big uh, contract extension in Tremaine Johnson, who was near the same age, and we've seen his decline over the last couple of years. So I'm not sure if we want to commit and throw a bag of money, um, a, a decent amount, you know, probably, I don't know if he's going to get what top nickel corners get, but I think that they're anywhere between six to eight million average. Some of them, the better ones are probably closer to that nine to 10 million range. And I don't know if he warrants that kind of money, even though he did have a very good year. So, I have confidence in Greg Williams' system, and if he's another player that ends up signing with another team, I do feel that we could replicate uh, those kind of results with someone new. Uh, so I'm not sure what he's going to be looking for. As you said, definitely not going to be coming back, um, you know, between that three to five million range. Um, after having a season like this, he's going to be looking for at least average to above average pay at the nickelback position. And, It'll be really interesting to see um, if Greg Williams really, really wants this guy back and say, I have to have this guy in order to do what I, to replicate what I did last year, um, then go ahead and, and be confident and, and try to sign this guy between seven, eight million a year for, you know, three to four years. Otherwise, let him test the free agent market, next man up, let's go, go, go and look into the draft um, and, and see what we got because we did see a lot of good play um, in little spurts here and there uh, from our, um, Arthur Mollette, who I believe is also a free agent. Um, but we also have Bless Austin coming back. Um, like you said, Daryl Roberts could be cut this year with no dead cap money, but he is under contract, so he could be back. Uh, I kind of feel that we're stuck with Tremaine Johnson at this point. So there's your top three right there. And then, you know, who else will they bring in? Um, throughout this offseason when the draft of the UDFA process comes around. And when cuts come around, you know, will they go out and grab somebody? So Brian Poole's another guy that I could see, and I wouldn't be overdramatically upset if he did sign somewhere else, um, as crazy as that may seem. All right, first I have to ask you, Alex, did did you say you were stuck with Tremaine Johnson, and, and what did you mean by that? Do you think he's staying? Contract-wise and with the dead money that I that comes with him, I'm not sure if the Jets want to eat $12 million in, in cap. I mean, if you could find a trade suitor for him and someone crazy enough that wants to pay him $15 million this year, because if we cut him, we're only saving $3 million and, and we're paying the guy $12 million to walk. It doesn't really sound like a lucrative deal, especially when you have right around $60 million in change in cap year to date. So I do kind of feel well, like I, we're stuck with him. And then next year is the year in which we can finally get out of that contract. So okay. I, I hate to I say would, it, but I do think we might be stuck. I disagree, Alec. I, I, it's, it, you're 100% right. It's not lucrative. It's an absolute train wreck. But I view it as, would you rather – and, and I'm, I'm, I would imagine the Jets are looking at it the same way. Would you rather pay him $15 million to not play a single snap and be inactive every week? Or just 
cut ties and save the $3 million. I think they cut ties and save right. $3 million. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine that after – I mean, that, that was a big thing last year, wasn't it, Alex? You, me, every Jets fan. Oh, Greg Williams, that's who he worked with with the Rams, and hopefully he bounces yeah, back. Absolutely. And he was just as bad, if not worse, than the year before. I think the Jets sometimes you just got to do it, man. Especially, especially the fact that it was the last regime that signed him, and you can just tell your owner, "Hey, man, the last dude screwed this up. This guy's a waste of a." Yep. I mean, really, honestly, if you if you said me, Glenn, would you rather eat the twelve and save the three, and give the roster spot to an undrafted rookie who might develop? Give me the undrafted rookie. Tremaine Johnson has zero value on this roster right now, and if you could save a penny by cutting him. I think you cut it. If you would save nothing, if you would break even, I think you cut him. I think the fact that he frees up $3 million means he's gone. That'll be another discussion for later in the offseason. But I just wanted to make sure we were clear on, uh, on, on what we'll you were saying. We'll have to make a on segment sure. about big player contracts on this roster that oh, could, could help us what. could absolutely kill us at the same I'll time. I'll tell you we'll what. Have to pencil that in at some point. Yes, and it, we, we may touch on that at some point tonight. Let me uh, – let me let me think. Yeah, if we're gonna cover free agency tonight, I, uh, I'll tell you, I'm 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 torn, and it's it, we'll get into it later. But we'll, we we spent quite a bit of time on the first three guys. We'll speed things up a little bit. Uh, yep. Next on the list, made two point nine million last year. Demarius Thomas, listen, um, wasn't terrible. If if he wants to come back for a million and a half to you know no guaranteed money, absolutely. Why the hell not? Um, but by no means would I guarantee him any money or give him more than, you know, sort of vet minimum one, 1.5 million for Demary. I mean, he had a couple games. He turned, you think, oh, maybe this guy's not terrible. Uh, maybe he has more in yep. the tank. I mean, he, I, I think he proved he had more in the tank than many of us thought. Uh, Gase likes he him. He knows the offense. Has him... Early yeah, on, yeah. But, but, but listen, not, every, not everybody's Robbie Anderson. He was actually reliable. Yeah. He, I, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike the, the, uh, the season he had. So if he can get himself healthy. That's what I would do. I would bring him back to camp, uh, small deal, and you know, uh, with a deal that's based on playing time. So if he stays healthy, he gets a little bit of money. But uh, that's where I am with him. Not not a ton of thoughts on him. He's 32 years old. Um, I, I'd bring him back for small, small, like I said, one 1.5 million, just based on the fact he's he's a, he's a guy. The chemistry with Sam, the knowledge of the offense, veteran presence. Uh, what do you think with Demarius? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, being that he's a gay guy, he's been in the system before. Um, any new bodies or anybody that's still trying to figure out, you know, the, this offensive guru's crazy, um, you know, offensive game plan. Um, he could be like an, a player assistant coach, like a player coach, similar to what Josh McCown had done for us when he was here. Um, someone to help the younger guys get acclimated with. Uh, you know, this, this crazy Gase offensive mind. So he could be helpful in that manner. Um, and, you know, if we are going to be living in a world without Robbie Anderson, we are going to need some guys that, you know, can come in right, right away um, and, and know their role and do their job. And I think he would have been in Quincy and Unwa's role. Um, I think that's what Demarius Thomas was. And, you know, just kind of imagine, you know, if we had a healthy Quincy in that spot, um, you know, the Jets' offense could have been completely better, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, I wouldn't mind bringing him back if the deal is right. Okay, next up, backup quarterback Trevor Simeon, who last year got paid to have his ankle broken by Miles Garrett on a dirty hit because Miles Garrett is a dirty player. 
What do you do with Trevor Simeon? Um, yep. You know, it's kind of hard to assess a guy that, that only got uh, maybe a quarter or two of play. Um, I, From what I remember in training camp, he didn't really blow me away, but he did seem like he w- would have been an efficient game manager um, had Miles Garrett not uh, knocked him out of the, the universe. So uh, if you can get similar backup money to what he had this year and, and he's not, uh, you know, hobbling on one leg, um, I think there's worse backups out there. Um, clearly we, we've seen that in Luke Falk. So, and looking at, other teams that have had problems at the quarterback position. Uh, I'd probably be more comfortable with Trevor Simeon than, than more than half of the backups that are out there at this point. All right. And speaking of Miles Garrett, nice segue here. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Miles Social. Different spelling, M-I-L-E Social. And unlike Miles Garrett, Miles Social is not one of the dirtiest in the game. Uh, Jet Nation Radio would like to thank our sponsor, Miles Social, for help managing all of your business's social media needs. Log on to milesocial.com. That is M-I-L-E social.com. Look, if you're running a business and you don't know how to work the Instagram and the Twitter and the Facebook or you're too busy to do it, Miles Social will do it. They run the algorithms. They run the numbers and see what you have to do to get more customers through your doors, more money in your pocket. Okay, so Trevor Simeon, listen, you want to bring him back for a million or whatever, 800 grand? Go ahead. We, as you said, Alex, we've seen enough atrocious backup quarterbacks to know how hard it is to find a guy who might be able to win you. Um, and Trevor Simeon's a guy. He's got starting experience. He's a veteran player. Bring him back. I don't know the offense. Uh, that being said, I am a huge fan, a huge proponent of Mike White, who is a guy the Jets did bring back on a future contract. Western Kentucky quarterback who went uh, who went to the Dallas Cowboys as well, fourth fifth rounder didn't make it there. Like Mike White a lot as a developmental guy. So uh, if he were to get a shot at the number two job, I would absolutely love that. But as it stands now, I'd be absolutely fine if the Jets said uh, we're bringing Simeon back because again the backup quarterbacks are tough to find. So that's that for, that's that for Simeon. I think we agree there. Rontez Miles, what do you think of Rontez? Uh, Rontez Miles, I, I think he is the second loudest guy in the locker room compared to Jamal Adams. Uh, I think he's the, the glue uh, that keeps the special teams unit together. And, uh, yeah, you know, he's a hometown favorite. So um, I would most certainly be happy bringing Rontez back. Yeah, I'm, it's tough for me with Rontez because I absolutely, I, as you said, the energy. I love the energy level. The guy just, he loves to hit. He loves football. You just, he's one of those guys you watch him play. And, you know, because he doesn't have the talent level, he doesn't get the, uh, he doesn't get the recognition. But to me, he's, he, he's got every bit as, as, as much energy and passion and love for the game as Jamal Adams does. Jamal Adams just happens to be a better player, so people don't notice it as much. But I love Rontez. I love what he brings. When I've been out to Florham Park, uh, the people I've spoken to absolutely rave about him. Uh, Rontez Miles, just, not just the player, but the person, just such a great guy. Tough not to root for. Would like to see him back, but completely understand if he's not. He is a guy who's limited in coverage, great box safety, but um, I'm not sure he's a guy that they would bring back unless it was really small money. I think you'll see another team offer him a little bit more cash. He is a huge, huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Uh, got the uh, the Steelers tattoo on the tricep that I noticed in camp one year. So I think if Pittsburgh was interested, he'd be happy to go there. But I, w- I would be fine with bringing Rontez Miles back. 
That brings us to Brandon Copeland. Man, this list is long. Brandon Copeland, what do you got? Um, Copeland, you know, is very interesting, and I'm just going to go out and say it. I, I don't think he's a Greg Williams guy. Um, if you noticed, his snap count um, increased when he had to come into the middle linebacker role uh, for about a week or two. I don't think he, he did very well at all. And Jets went out and plucked uh, James Burgess and, and got him in there. And James Burgess, uh, I believe, um, was either first or second in total tackles, um, maybe second to Jamal Adams this year. Um, now I know a lot of people don't go crazy about tackles, but the way he played near the end of the season, um, good in run support, um, found himself with a, you know, a turnover and an interception. So um, I'd much rather bring, bring a guy like James Burgess back than uh, Brandon Copeland. Um, I do think he was, you know, been a good guy for us, but I just kind of feel that the, the value that we got from players like Terrell Basham and Kyle Phillips um, and even Blake Cashman, who was getting some looks at outside linebacker last year. And that was Brandon Copeland's starting job the year before. So I, I think he uh, finds himself on another team next year. Yeah, that, uh, that, that may be the case. I like the guy. I think uh, he's, a, he's a good sort of off-the-field role model for younger guys. I, I think he plays hard. He's another one. Like, you want to bring him back on a team-friendly deal, you know, it's going to be small money no matter what. But you could be right in that, uh, you know, the way his role changed under Greg Williams. Greg may not just be a huge fan. And, uh, by the way, just check PFR. James Burgess did lead the Jets in total tackles with 80. Jamal led the team in solos with 61. But, uh, yeah, 80 tackles, 8 for loss. Did a really nice job. Uh, You know, Copeland more of an outside guy, but moved around a little bit this season because of all the injuries. Uh, I wouldn't mind with uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him back. Uh, I liked him coming into year two. He, he played well the year before, but he could be another sort of. I mean, he's a better player than a guy like uh, who was who was Aaron Maben. You know, Maben had that one year where he had like six sacks, but uh, Maben was just a maniac and he would get run out of a play forty yards. You know, the wrong direction. So I think Copeland's a better player than that. But that's what it's kind of reminiscent of. Had a decent season getting the quarterback and then kind of disappeared a little. So I could see him going. I could see him being shown the door. Uh, Tom Compton, what do you think? Uh, uh, you know, Tom did all right when he the first couple weeks when he had to plug in for, for Brian Winters. And I think down the stretch, uh, you know, he was a little bit of a liability um, in protection and uh, in the penalty category. And Connor McDermott looked pretty decent in the last couple games of the year. And uh, I'd be more in, uh, you know, I'd, I'd give it more money or whatever money you have allocated for backup guard to a player like Connor McDermott over Tom Compton. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Compton, again, in looking at kind of along the lines of Simeon um, with, the, with the terrible um, – O-line play, you know, like like we said, Simeon, sure, bring him back because backups are so bad. A lot of bad backup O-linemen. I think that's, you know, Compton can be that guy. Plug him in for a few starts here and there because uh, guys are bound to get hurt, hurt at some point. He's got a little bit of experience at tackle. Again, for similar money, I would bring him back. If you let him walk, it's not the end of the world. Next up, uh, Neville Hewitt. I think I think this man is up for a pay raise. What do you think, Alex? I, I do. You know, um, I was a little skeptical about Neville in the beginning of the year. 
And I would definitely say that uh, I came away a little bit more impressed than I thought. Um, I, I still remember those couple weeks where he was letting up some uh, passing interference uh, penalties in the red zone, which cost us some points. Um, you know, th- those stay stick in my mind a little bit. But someone that had to, you know, grow up fast and be, take over one of the most important positions in Greg Williams' defense, which is the Mike linebacker role, uh, he did he did all right. He held his own, and uh, he made a lot of plays this year. Um, he was in the, a little disruptive in the backfield, had a couple turnovers. Uh, so he's another guy that, you know, hopefully we don't see him this year in a uh, complete starter's role at the middle linebacker position uh, because we've got two other guys that are about 26 to 27 million um, combined to play middle linebacker for us. So as a backup and a special teamer, I definitely would bring Hewitt back. Yeah, I think Hewitt, I think the problem is he played well enough that someone might give him a starting job. The only way I see the Jets bringing him back is if the Jets say, listen, we're going to give you a deal uh, and we're going to let, we're going to cut ties with Avery Williamson because that will save them, I believe, $6 million. The problem there, though, Alex, and I brought that up, I brought it up earlier this off or this season because people were telling me, yeah, cut Williamson and, 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 and sign Hewitt and save some money. Well, if you're signing Hewitt to be your starter, he's not playing for $1 million again. He's going to want, yep. you know, you got to figure he's going to want at least $4 million, right? I mean, that's that that's got to be a given. Um, he's a very bad uh, agent if if you were making <laughs> exactly like if he if he came back for the same money he needs to fire his agent. Even I know that Jesus Christ. So if uh, if uh, Neville Hewitt is looking to say four or five million, well you're saving six and a half by cutting Avery Williamson. The pay raise Hewitt gets means you're saving two or three million in all reality. So is Neville Hewitt? that much better than Avery Williamson that you're willing to only shed. Like, I think, I think Williamson is two or $3 million a year better than Avery, than, than Neville Hewitt. Um, but if, if the Jets feel like they can win with Hewitt, uh, paired with CJ Mosley, assuming he's healthy, I mean, look, man, six and a half million isn't, isn't small savings. That's not uh that's, that's not a tiny bit of money. So maybe they, maybe they part ways with Williamson and save the 6.5 and then, bring Hewitt back for maybe four, and then it's a net savings of 2.5, which isn't a ton, but uh, every little bit helps, as they say. So uh, for, for my money, if you can get him to come back on backup money, absolutely. But I think he played well enough that some teams will offer him a bigger role than what he had with the Jets this year. Uh, next up, let's see, we're just going to do unrestricted. Gee, even if we just do unrestricted, Alex, we still have about 86 players to go. Um, we'll, we'll speed, we'll, we'll speed things along here. Cause, um, I mean, it like David fails, honestly, it, do we care? I mean, we didn't see him throw a ball. Uh, there are some names on here that are just sort of, eh, you know, not even really a lot to talk about, but we'll speed it up a little bit. Next up, Brent Quale. What do you think? Uh, bring him back. I like his, uh, versatility inside and outside. Absolutely. 100% agree. I said before the season started. I said, with all the struggles the Jets have, with the lack of bodies they have at guard, why not give Brent Quale a look there? Of course, he got hurt. When he came back, he was a backup. Week 17, he started at guard. Didn't look bad. I, I really think he's like a he, he's a low-end tackle, but I think he could be a mid-level guard. I would 100% bring Brent Quale back and give him a shot to win a guard job or at least a backup guard job. 
Next up, Bilal Powell, who I mentioned in a tweet the other day. What do you think about Bilal Powell, Alex? If you can bring him back comparable to a deal that you gave him this year, um, I'll always have a special place in my heart for Bilal, and, and he's got to retire as a Jet as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that you, you hope that happens. And I, I think it, I think that might be the case with him. I think we might see that happen. Uh, again, like I said, I tweeted it out. I think you bring it because, again, some some uh, one thing that, you know, some fans are aware of, maybe not everyone realizes it, his, his carries in college were really low. He didn't touch the ball a lot in college. And then, of course, he spent a couple of years under Rex where he didn't get the ball much at all. So but he's, he's got the mileage of like a 28-year-old running back. So while he might be 30, 31, the, uh, the carries don't uh, coincide with the, with the age. Tight end Daniel Brown, what do you think? Oh, I, I thought he was already under contract. That's very interesting. Um, well, of course, um, we're going off uh, – we're using – by the way, we're using SportTrack.com here. Uh, SportTrack.com has gotcha. him as a free agent. All right, yeah, that's interesting there. Um, you know, I know that he's kind of a gay guy too, so I could definitely see him coming back. I don't know if I would allocate too much money because I think if – you know, the Jets did carry, I think, four tight ends at one point when Chris Herndon came back. Um, so I don't know if Gase would necessarily do that again, but I, it wouldn't shock me if he did. But I kind of feel like with a healthy Chris Herndon and they extended Ryan Griffin and you have Wesco um, as your third tight end um, under a rookie contract deal, I'm not sure if there's room for him. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he comes back, but. I, I wouldn't miss him if he left. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I, I agree. I think he's, you know, he, he was not very good as a blocker, didn't offer much as a receiver. Um, as a third tight end, sure, why not? But uh, I think he tried to upgrade there. Next guy is interesting because he had a, eh, we let's say he was invisible this year, but it is my opinion, and I think, I think you might agree with this, Alex, um, not his fault good player who I think will say, take care Jets, I'm going to go somewhere where I might see the football from time to time, Ty Montgomery. Yeah, um, he was definitely the mystery man. Um, You know, the Jets only had about five or six players that were active for all 16 games, and he was one of them. And uh, I don't know if he did something to to piss Adam Gase off, um, or, you know, we could basically go back and say that Adam Gase does not really value running backs, um, you know, and that's kind of been something that or human beings. has been a staple of his. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how talented the running backs are. Uh, we really thought that with the bodies that were dropping in the wide receiver room that he would get a promotion or added snaps. And he just kind of floated around and hung around, and, and he just didn't really do too much. He didn't get a lot of opportunities, so – I don't see him coming back, to be quite honest with you. I I probably would expect um, him to be uh, replaced with a late-round draft pick. Put it this way, Alex. If you were Ty Montgomery, would you come back? I mean, the Jets probably don't don't want him back. But if if you come back, here's Adam Gase's sales pitch. Listen, Ty, come back this year, we're going to get up to one and a half touches a game. Uh, Sound good? (laughs) Yeah, I know we were one point two last year, but we're expecting Sunday. big, explosive, dynamic things on offense. We're gonna have more snaps, more opportunities. We're gonna get you at one and a half touches a game. Come on, Ty, sign on the dotted line. I just don't see that happening. 
uh, Albert McClellan, do we honestly, are we going to sit here and pretend we have a lot of thoughts on a guy who played a couple snaps and didn't look that good? Yeah, he was a shocker guy that made the 53 in the first place, and he had a very short stint. I think he came in, he was active for a game, got hurt. Yeah, he's got, he he's got some injuries, still, still under contract, so. but that's his deal by Albert. Uh, David Fails, I mentioned earlier, didn't throw a pass. Mike White is taking his job. We're not even going to talk about him. Paul Worlow, here's a guy who was a productive player with, what was it, Atlanta? Came to the Jets, played for about three seconds, got injured, ate up a roster spot all year. He's 30 years old. What do you think on Paul Worlow? Uh, I think he walks. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Paul. Um, probably the last truly, truly, well, actually, I take that back. There's a couple, still a couple interesting guys left on the list. Uh, mentioned him earlier, Jordan Jenkins, what do you do? Jordan would be one of my top priorities, um, as far as the free agents are concerned, as far as bringing back guys, um, you know, homegrown guys. Uh, I really like Jordan. I think he would have had a double digit sack year had he not had the early injury that kept him out of a couple games um, in September and October. Um, you know, he he just seems to be like one of those guys that is getting a little bit better each game. Um, you know, I think he improved his sack total to eight sacks this year. Um, and I think he could have done better um, if he was healthier. Um, people thought I was crazy when I said last week that I would pay him 12 to 13 million. I just advise you guys to go ahead and look at last year's uh, players like Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, who had pretty much comparable numbers to what Jordan has done um, through his first four years. And those guys got paid premium money at the edge position because it's just one of those positions that it doesn't come cheap. Um, even the average guys get paid well. And I think that Jordan is becoming more than just an average player. I think that he has the potential to be an above average player. And I think the Jets should prioritize him. Yeah, so Jordan Jenkins, this might surprise some people. Um, a lot of what you're saying, Alex, is a lot of what I've been saying uh, about Jordan Jenkins up to this point. But I got to say, I'm starting to sort of look at it the other way now. And that, and I, I, I love his character, I, his effort. He's a, he doesn't get a ton of sacks, and I, I predicted he would have 10 this year. He you know, I think without the injury, he may have had 10. Um, a lot of them are a lot of times, and not there's anything wrong with it, but a lot of times it's, it's, it's effort sacks. When the coverage is good, he'll get to the quarterback because he just never stops going. The motor is there. But I think the money he's going to demand is sort of in line with a guy who's a double-digit sack guy who consistently beats his man off the snap, and we don't see that out of Jenkins a lot. And it, put it, if, if the Jets had a little more cap room, I would say absolutely bring him back. But I'm looking at it that if I'm endorsing re-signing Robbie and I'm endorsing re-signing Jenkins and I'm endorsing signing one or two big-time O-linemen, that's almost all of your cap space here. So I'm saying no to Jordan Jenkins, not because I don't like him, not because I don't want him back. I'm trying to take a realistic approach to the offseason and say, can you bring back Robbie Anderson, Jordan Jenkins, sign Brandon Scherf, sign Jake Conklin, and then fill out the other 20 empty roster spots? And you just can't do it. There's just not enough money there to do it. So yeah. based on that, I'm saying no. It's not that I don't think he's good. It's not that I don't like him. I've been a huge supporter of his um, for years now. I've taken a lot of heat because I like Jordan Jenkins that much. But when I look at the available cap space and the holes on the roster, 
and the fact that, as I said, a lot of his sacks tend to be of the coverage variety, which I've commented on, you know, in, in, in years past as, as not being a bad thing. Like, look, he gets to the quarterback. He needs that extra half second. But if he gets it, he'll get there. Uh, tied, tied Jamal Adams for pressure, quarterback pressures this year with 13. So I would, I would like to see him back. It, it's a weird thing. It's, you know, sometimes people think that if you say you wouldn't resign a guy that you don't want him, you don't like him. I like him a lot. And I would like for them to find a way to bring him back. But if, if I think bringing him back prevents them from being able to bring Robbie back or prevents them from being able to add an O-lineman, I'm, I'm going to say no. But I'll tell you what, if they, if they do re-sign him, no one's going to have a bigger smile than me because uh, I, like, I do like Jordan Jenkins quite a bit. Um, so should they? Probably not. Will they? I honestly don't know, but if they do, I'd, I'd be absolutely thrilled for the guy. But I'm not. If they let him walk, I totally understand. Um, next up, uh, Matthias Farley's. I mean, let's let's face it. Special teams backup didn't see the field a whole lot. I think you let him walk. I, I would take that you agree on that. Or hey, listen, you want to bring him back on a vet minimum to try out? Go ahead. Yes, uh, I'm. I'm not too sure about him. Um, you know, there's 1.2 million. For a backup guy that did very, very little, yes, he was a special teams guy for a majority of the time. Um, but, you know, if that, that $1.2 million um, can get you is going to be the difference in, you know, bringing back a guy like you said, Robbie, or a guy like Poole, or possibly a Jenkins, I, w- I would part ways with that guy in a heartbeat. All right, interesting one here, because I say bring him back. I'll, I'll start. Maurice Candidate, the guy, listen. The Jets have questions at corner, but to me, Alex, the way Canada played, the way Mallette played, those guys look like they can be pretty damn good backups. So it's, it's like you need yeah. the starters. You need Bless Austin to show he can stay healthy. You need to find a, a, a number one cornerback to pair with him. But behind it, if you're telling me that I got Canada and Mallette as my number two corners, number two, number three corners, I'm pretty happy with that. So I say bring Canada back. I think he did a nice job. Yeah, you might have to because it was interesting after uh, Bless Austin had that blown coverage. Um, he got benched in, I think, the Week 16 game, and he did not participate in the Week 17 game at all. Um, so he got he got punished, uh, the young rook, um, near the end of the season. And, you know, that's just kind of the way Greg Williams was. Uh, we saw that early on. He did not hesitate to put somebody in for the $15 million corner that we have in Tremaine Johnson. So if Williams feels that he can get more productive production out of players that are on a cheaper deal and they can understand his scheme, he will absolutely do so without even blinking an eye. All right. And only one more to go of, of the unrestricted variety. We won't touch on the restricted and the exclusive rights guys. Cause th- those guys are a whole different bowl of wax. Um, Last but not least, of the unrestricted free agents, left guard Alex Lewis. What are you doing? That's a tough one. Um, You know, if it's between him and Brent Qualley, that's a tough one to bring there because I think Lewis is uh, a couple years younger than Brent and, you know, youth always seems to have an edge um, in certain factors. he would be a bubble guy. I, I, I guess I would take him back um, is where I would lean to. Um, 
I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't lose sleep if we lost him. But uh, I, at least we know what to expect from him in the event that he had to be thrown into a starter's role. So I do feel he was a little bit of a liability, um, kind of like in that November, just before he went on the IR. Um, his his play started to teeter off a lot. Um, so that's a, that's that's why I remain a little bit skeptical. But he did do an admirable job once uh, Colletio Assembly went down. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I bring him back, and I even I let him compete for a starting job. Uh, you know, again, small money. He hasn't done nearly enough to to, to warrant you know anything more than sort of a million or two a year. Bring him back, let him compete, and maybe he should listen. I you know I think I think if and I think I sent out the other day. If you were to tell me going into next year that my O line is going to be something like Kelvin Beecham at left tackle, Alex Lewis at left guard. Um, and then a, a second round pick at center, a third or fourth rounder at, gu- at right guard who I like, and maybe a, a Conklin at right tackle. I'd take that. I Beecham's not bad. Like we said, he's average. Uh, Lewis, I think, listen, any O-lineman is going to look better when he's got better O-line play around him. And there are some good O-linemen to be had in this draft. You know, we know that's where Joe Douglas is going to focus a lot of his energy uh, through free agency and the draft. So I would bring Lewis back, and I would let him compete with Chuma Adoga for the starting job at left guard and take it from there. And I think that would uh, – there, there are ways that this team, this that Joe Douglas, can fix this roster, can fix this offensive line. And that's, that's a nice segue into our next topic, Alex, which is free agency. Okay, so we, we know that fans want all the big names in free agency. Give me this guy. Give me the top eight guys. We have eighty million in cap space. <laughs> Give the top eight guys ten million a year each, and blah, blah blah blah. Fifteen, whatever. Everyone wants Brandon Scherf, right? But the more I think about it, I look at the I look at it this way: Joe Douglas, former offensive lineman, that's supposed to be his area of expertise, right? So, if if I hire you to do a job, and you say, well, this one area. Let's not even say, let's say GM. I hire you as an NFL GM. And I say, listen, you play the O-line. Your expertise is O-line. Find me some O-lineman. Does it make sense that you then turn around and say, okay, I'm going to pay top dollar for the best O-lineman on the market? Then it's kind of like, well, what am I paying you for? And anyone can sign the highest rated guy for the most money. I'm hiring you because I need you to find some guys that don't cost $15 million a year. I need you to find some guys that don't cost seventeen million. Find me, find me a starter in the second round. Find me a starter in the fifth round. Find me a quality backup in the in the seventh round or as a, an unrestricted free agent. Like I want you to earn your money in that area. So Joe Douglas, pretend you're Joe Douglas, Alex, and Chris Johnson says to you, uh, as we head into this off season, Joe, don't come to me and tell me we're giving me, we're giving Brandon Scherf fifteen million a year. Because you're an O-line guy. So you better be able to find that diamond in the rough or that sort of mid for that guy who hasn't had a shot yet to start in the NFL to be on my O-line. And let's build an offensive line without having to spend $50 million to do it. What, what are you thinking, Joe? What's, what, what, what's Joe Douglas thinking, Alex, uh, in terms of how to approach this offseason? Wh- where are you allocating money? And and give me give me two or three or four names of guys who aren't the big names. Uh, you know every article I read, 
you can say, yeah, uh, let's go, let's go get a guy like, uh, like, like Scherf. Well, that that's fine, but for that much money, you know, again, anyone knows that. Give me, give me the guys you're going to go after that everybody isn't talking about who can end up starting on this team. Uh, well, we missed out on on the Connor McGovern from Penn State last year, but there's another Connor McGovern out there, um, and he played center for the Denver Broncos. Denver. He's yeah. right around 27 years old. Um, I, I would put him in that class of average, um, and and he's not above average at all. But we've clearly had, you know, average to below average play from the center position. Uh, I think we need somebody that can keep the interior aspect of the offense honest. Um, and I think a guy that has a little bit of experience in him, somebody that maybe not a lot of people are talking a lot about, um, I would have Connor McGovern as one of my top guys. Um, my number one um, offensive lineman that I want to get is who you just mentioned, uh, Brandon Treff. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's uh, a player like uh, Jack Conklin. Um, those would be my three guys that I would target if I were to try to find three starters and then maybe you go into the draft. Um, and, you know, the Jets have four picks within the top 80 draft selections. Um, and you can you can get a little uh, flexible there. And uh, maybe you find somebody, you know, in that first pick um, that, you know, could be your blindside guy for, for the next 10 years. Um, or maybe you go into the second round and you find an interior guy that will even make the inside even that more stronger. Um, you know, I know uh, Tyler, I always mess up this guy, Biades or something like that. Um, he's definitely yeah, the Wisconsin one of the, guy. the top guys that I want. Um, he's going to be my, one of my favorites. And, you know, I'll be making little voodoo dolls and, and by my jet shrine. I'm hoping that he comes to this team because I don't know if he would take the job right away, but even if you got a guy like Connor McGovern, um, he could just slide him over to the left or right position, you know, in the event that we decide to cut one of our other guys that gives us zero cap, uh, dead cap, like a Brian Winters. So McGovern would be a guy that I would really like to get. Um, Jack Conklin is another um, guy that probably one of the top uh, people out there. Um, I still have to do a little work on Jermaine or Freddie. Um, I did kind of like him, but it looks like things just didn't work out with him health-wise in Seattle. Um, those are the kind of players that I would be looking at um, just as a base to start. And then, you know, you have to have at least one, if not two guys, potentially from this draft that would be in the long-term plan on the offensive line. Yeah, uh, funny you say that because uh, Connor McGovern of Penn State was a guy that I I was a big fan of drafting last year. And after the draft, uh, a couple stories came out that he was the guy the Jets were targeting when they actually went. So the Jets had McGovern targeted, Dallas grabbed him, and so the Jets went with Adoga. Uh, But the other Connor McGovern, totally agree, 100%. Another interior lineman who can play would absolutely be would, or I'd be absolutely fine with the Jets targeting him. And uh, I think, you know, listen, Brandon Sheriff, like I said, he's uh, he's kind of the, the easy answer. But, I mean, he's obvious. Um, I, would love to, I would love for the Jets to be able to find a guy who can play at a high level without having to spend 15, 16, 17 million, whatever he's going to command um, in free agency. Joe Thune, you know, the New England Patriots, you for him. 
or sorry, the year after him. 27 years old, he's due to be a free agent. Now, if, if you can get Thune for 10 or 11 versus uh, paying 15, 15, however much for a sheriff, and I don't even know if Thune will get that much. But if you're going to tell me you get Thune for 8, uh, and then you're going to have to pay 15 for Scherf, I would almost say get, try to get me Thune. But let's face it, a lot of guys don't like leaving New England. And if uh, if players are worth having, New England normally keeps them. If it, I always worry. When New England lets a player go, uh, Bill Belichick knows more than most people. So if he's yep. willing to say, yeah, I'll let you walk, then they may not. It, it could be just a, you know, Dante Scarnecchia, the magician, you know, getting a, a not-so-good player to play at a high level. But Thune, I would, wouldn't mind. If you told me they were going to go something like McGovern to play center, and that may be, and then, and as you said, you know, Tyler, Tyler Beattis, if he's there in round two, I grab him and I let him play guard. And then if you grab a, a you know, then that, that leaves you some money for Jack Conklin. So if it was like Conklin at right tackle, Beattis at right guard, McGovern at center, Lewis Beecham at guard and tackle, I'd absolutely go to battle with that. Um, you know, there's the part of you, of course, that, you know, and I, I, you know, I say this all the time. Everybody, of course, wants an all-pro player at every position. That's just not realistic. So how about, you know, let, let's, let's build a, a, a really good offensive line. And I think if a guy like, like Beattis from Wisconsin, you mentioned, he, he's one of my favorite players in this draft. Uh, I, don't, I don't see him making it out of the first round. You know, Matt, Matt Miller of Bleacher Reports, a respected draft guy, uh, his three-round mock that he did recently had had him there, had him going like uh, I don't know, like fiftieth or something like that, like well after yep. the Jets pick. And I, I just thought to myself, if that dude is on the board when the Jets pick in round two, they better be grabbing that guy. You grab him, and I'll tell you what, man, it, it it's uh, it could get interesting. But but you know the most interesting thing, of course, leading up to the draft for most fans, many fans is the first round. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out my feelings on round one right now, Alex. You can kind of let me know where you are, agree, disagree. I, I would love a left tackle, obviously. It's a premium position. They make premium money. It's of the utmost importance. Some of the best players. We want receivers around Sam Darnold, obviously, and there are some really good ones in this draft. C.D. Lamb and, and Judy being at the top of that list. So those are your tackles and receivers, right? That That's what's going to do the most to help Sam Darnold. However, it's not, it hasn't been uncommon to see mock drafts, and understandably so, where all three tackles are gone and the top receivers are gone. So what do you do if you are Joe Douglas and you're sitting there at 11 and the top three tackles are off the board, and the top two receivers are off the board. And let, let's say nobody, let's say anybody you call about a trade down is just trying to rip you off. Okay, so bad to the, that you're not trading down. Because that's, that's the easy answer. Everyone always says, trade down. Trade down ad picks. All right, so let's say someone calls you, uh, whoever's sitting at 19, and they say, hey, if you want to move down eight spots, we'll give you an extra fifth rounder. Like, that, that's not going to cut it. So if a team wants to rip you off, you, you're not going to get ripped off. So let's say tackles are gone, receivers are gone, all the trade offers are just trying to rip you off. What are you doing in that spot, Alex? 
Yeah, um, and, you know, a lot of people seem to think that, you know, all the top offensive tackles are going to be gone. And uh, it reminds me of uh, this this right tackle last year that came out of Miami that everybody had pinned to go into the top ten, and he ends up falling into the second round. He went to Jacksonville. Um, a lot of people had him ranked over um, – Jonah Williams, who uh, did not have a good rookie year as he got hurt. Um, but I, I tend to think of that a lot. So, you know, everyone that, you know, it's it's a lock for this guy that, that these three guys are going to be gone. Um, crazier things have happened. Um, we've seen teams reach for players. Are you talking, like, talking about uh, Robinson, Cam Robinson? Uh, not Cam Robinson. It, um, it was the, the kid from Florida. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. I'm trying to look him up as I'm as I'm talking through this, um, but you know my whole point is is that you know there are teams that do crazy things like go at go for players like John Ross in, in the in the top ten, and we see players like uh, Detroit went for Juwan the tight Taylor. end last year, Juwan Taylor. Thank you. Um, so you never know like what's really going to happen when these guys go through the process and everything like that. A lot of guys tend to slide on draft boards. Um, you know, for instance, Ja'Kai Polite, um, we all thought that he was a first-round pick. Uh, what a steal that turned out to be, suckers. Exactly. Uh-huh. And he ends up All you idiot GMs who passed on Ja'Kai Polite and let him slide. Yeah, and and you just, you just really, really never can tell. So, you know, if a player like uh, Tristan Wirfs were to fall into our lap, um, I'd really have a hard time. Um, you know, not taking that pick. It, it, you know, and here's the kicker: is that out of the the three um, that we're going to be talking about is Andrew Thomas, um, who's a pure left tackle out of Georgia. Um, I I don't think he'll be available at 11, but I do have a feeling that there, Tristan Wirfs might be a possibility. But here's the kicker: is he played right tackle majority of the time, so I'm not sure um, if he has the enough talent in order to play left tackle. I think if you're taking guy to the 11 to spot, um, that's where you want him to play, to be quite honest with you. And you might have to force that issue. Um, I think Jedrick Willis is, is one of my top guys from Alabama. He did play right tackle only because Alex Web, uh, Leatherwood, who was going to go into this year and decided to stay um, with Alabama. Um, so, you know, clearly that, that left tackle spot was already fulfilled. Had he not been there, I think Jedrick Wills would have been Alabama's left tackle. Um, he would be my, my number one guy um, as far as, you know, taking an offensive lineman in the first round. Uh, give me Jedrick Wills all day long. Yeah, I think Wills is a guy that uh, a lot of people have projected in the top ten, and some have projected to the Jets. Um, but if get projected to the Giants at at four, so you know, yeah, yeah, anything so, can happen. So, but if they're gone, what, what are you doing? No receivers, no tackles. None of them are there at eleven. Who, who's your top choice outside of the three tackles and the two receivers? Um, yeah, I think uh, you know I mentioned this the other day, and some people might think I'm crazy. I've been watching a lot of uh, his film as of late, and that's Isaiah Simmons from uh, mm-hmm. Clemson. Um, the guy is just. Uh, a unique um, athlete um, because you look at him and, you know, if you were to put zero, zero on him and be like, what position does he play? I'm sure people would say that he's a wide receiver. Some people might say he was a safety. Um, 
maybe maybe some people would say he's a linebacker, but here's the thing. He plays nickel corner. He's played outside corner. He's played both safety positions. He's played inside linebacker and outside linebacker. Um, now you want to talk about the scheme of mm-hmm. Greg Williams and mixing his coverages and, and mis- mixing his packages and this way the offense can't really see what you're trying to do. I think you put him a, a talent like Isaiah Simmons with Jamal Adams and I can't I cannot see a scenario where the Jets are, you know, a top five to top ten defense next year um against the run and the pass. Yeah, I wholly agree. Um you know, my take is that if it's if the tackles are gone and the receivers are gone, I'm looking at Isaiah Simmons or Epineza, AJ Epineza, the edge rusher out of Iowa. It's gotta be one of those two guys. Um, and a yep. lot of that, too, is, as I mentioned to you briefly, Alex, when we spoke for a minute before the show, it's supply and demand. Listen, there's not – there are – even, even let, let's say C.D. Lamb is out there. Let's say C.D. Lamb is there at 11. I'm probably going Epineza if Lamb and Judy aren't there. Even if Lamb is there, with this draft being what some people are calling let, – let's just say it is an extremely strong class – the silliness of is this the strongest class ever? Is it the strongest class in the last 10 years? Let's throw that aside. Let's just say this is one of the best, one of the deepest wide receiver drafts in recent memory. If I'm a GM and I need a pass rusher and I need a receiver and there are only a couple of pass rushers and there are a dozen receivers, am I better served going with CeeDee Lamb in round one and then getting a, a mid-tier pass rusher in round two or three? Or... Do I go with a guy like like Epineza, who is regard? I've every I think the lowest I've seen him projected is seventeen. Everything else I've seen him projected is sort of you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. So he's in that range. So do, you, do I think I go with the pass rusher? You know I'm I want to throw up every time I say we haven't had a pass rusher since John Abraham because we haven't. Right. And it's like yeah. enough already. Now the thing with Epineza, he's a bigger guy. 275, 280 from my understanding. We'll see what he comes in at the combine. So is he going to have that explosive, that svelte, that that John Abraham, John Abraham quickness? Uh, probably not. However, that doesn't mean he can't be a damn good edge rusher. So if you're telling me tackles are gone, receivers are gone, I think I'm going with Epineza. Now, again, there's a lot of time to the draft. I'm going to watch a lot more players. Um, and, and again, I would have absolutely no issue with Simmons. Simmons is an intriguing guy. And I think you, I think I saw you tweeted Alex and it was my thought when I watched Simmons uh, a couple times, I thought, Jesus, imagine him and Jamal Adams on the same defense, the, the way you can move those guys around. I mean, that would be a lot of fun. Um, but you know, one thing I've commented on, I think I've said this every year for the last three or four years, uh, fans get so fixated on round one that they treat it like if you say I'm taking Simmons in round one. Their heads explode and they can't. Be- they, they just start screaming about O line, and it's like, listen, uh, th- there are other picks after that. Like, not every. There are other rounds after round one, and and really, in all reality, the Jets are probably going to make some deals and add some more picks. But but if you sign a Conklin, and it's not the end of the world if you if you draft a defensive guy in round one, and then use your round two pick on the O-line, and maybe one of your two round three picks on the O-line, and then the other three on a receiver. All of a sudden, you've got a couple new O-linemen, one free agent, a receiver, and, a, and, a, and an impact defensive player. 
So it's not the worst thing in the world if they end up taking a guy on defense. It's just unpopular because defensive players don't score touchdowns, and that's that's what kind of that's what a lot of fans get fixated on, and a lot of, a lot of fans that don't follow it that closely. The number of times it, it blows me away every single year. I suggest player X in in the first round, and everyone pretends that's that's it. That's that's you only get one pick. Oh my God, I can't believe you said wide receiver in round one. We need this, this, and this. Yeah, well, the, the other picks after that can be those guys, and you can find good players in other spots. But so it, it sounds like we we both like Simmons, and uh, like I said, Epines, I've watched uh, I watched a couple of his games the other day, and I came away largely impressed. Like I said, he was a bigger guy than I realized. Um, but any any thoughts on him? Have you have you had the chance to watch uh, the uh, the Iowa edge rusher? I, I haven't done um, a huge, huge deep dive, but um, I do watch a lot of college ball. Um, that's kind of my thing uh, on Saturdays. I I really like, uh, you know, setting up the, uh, what is it called? It's like ESPN game day. It's the like red zone version of uh, college football. And I like to watch the big games. And, and I did watch quite a few of Iowa games last year and, you know, people gush about him, and you know he looks like a strong guy, powerful guy, good bull rusher. Um, not sure, too sure about you know the whole flexibility, and you know, it, like I said to you at earlier, if he had gone into the draft last year, um, he's not talked about as a first round guy because last year's class was so stacked. Um, and I think that not saying that he's a, not going to be a good player, I just think compared to last year's class, he would be you know, somebody that would be, you know, possibly a day two guy. Um, but I did like what I, I saw out of him. But here's here's the kicker. I look at what Greg Williams did with, with such, you know, air-quoting little talent um, on this team. You know, we traded away one of our most talented defensive linemen in Leonard Williams, and our defensive line improved, at, at least from a run uh, against the run. So – uh, would he be, um, you know, is he elite? Would he be the guy that could get this defense 10 sacks or more? Uh, it's a definite possibility. A lot of people seem to have him pegged as a 4-3 style defensive end. And we know that the Jets are not really traditional in any manner because we've seen them go ahead and target, um, you know, or, you know, mix up with 3-4 and 4-2. Um, packages on, in the tackle box, and, and we've seen four three packages as well. So, you know, if we were just to lock him in as a four three defensive end, I'm not sure if that's his value for for where this defense is at at this point. Um, but if I had to make a choice, and let's just say the three tackles, and we're in uh, Jerry Judy are gone, and we're looking at a player like Lamb. And um, and AJ, you know that that's really really hard um, because you're talking about a dynamic number one wide receiver and you know trending into a passing league. Um, if we were to lose Robbie Anderson into free agency, a player like CD Lamb would clearly fill that role immediately, and he would, you know, possibly be the Antonio Brown to counter um, Le'Veon Bell, kind of what the Steelers were doing when he was uh, back in Pittsburgh. So it's definitely hard, but you brought up a really good point earlier when we were talking off air that this class is so stacked that it would almost be illogical 
because you're not going to find a C.D. Lamb in round two or round three, but maybe you find the next Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe you find the next type of Eric Decker or a Calvin Ridley kind of, you know, guy that is a good route runner and a good possession receiver. Because I think route running and and having good hands, I'll take those guys over, you know, the deep threats. Because the style of quarterback that Sam Darnold is, where he's more accurate in the short to intermediate aspects of the field, and he's not as accurate on the long ball, I'd much rather have a guy that, you know, could beat his guy within the first five to ten yards and create separation um, because we know we got to get the ball out quick with the way that the offensive line had played. So having guys that only give you a threat down the field may not be um, as much as a good fit for this offense compared to a possession guy that, you know, gobbles up yards underneath. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm looking one guy I'm looking forward to watching more of, and I, I wonder uh, quick yes or no, because we only have a few minutes left, Alex. We're going to grade the offense, defense, special teams. Uh, quick yes or no, at number 11, uh, and I, I don't know how much of him you've had a chance to watch, but should Henry Ruggs be in the conversation? Might be the fastest receiver in this draft. Um, if Lamb and Judy are gone and the Jets are determined to go receiver, should they be thinking about Henry Ruggs at 11? Henry Ruggs is a phenomenal player. Um, he's definitely first-round talent for sure. Um And here's the way that I think about it. Do you want the number three guy of a particular position when there may be number one guys in other areas that you could get? Um, uh, And that would be really hard. In in a perfect scenario where the Jets uh, fill more holes than we anticipate in the free agency process, and that gives us more flexibility with that 11 spot, you know, I could think of, of worse scenarios. Um, and Ruggs is, is definitely a phenomenal talent. I'm not sure if I would take him at 11, uh, but that would just be predicated on, on how successful of a, of a uh, march we have with free agency. All right, Alex. So we've got seven minutes left in the show. Very quickly, grade the offense, the defense, the special teams, the coaching for 2019 oh lord um all right the good the bad and the ugly um i'm gonna have to say that obviously um the offense was one of the worst um levels of this team um there were times in which we were completely inept uh we looked like we could move the ball we went backwards more than we did forwards um i'm not going to grade an f only because of Sam overcoming adversary adversity in the last eight games going six and two. So I will give them a D um, as a grade. Um, and I know that there's a lot of variables that, that we could put in here that, that sounds like excuses, but at the end of the day, they're facts. And when you have, uh, what was it? Nine different combinations of offensive line or possibly 10 to 11 from what I'd heard, um, because I think they said that they had 11 different starters throughout the season on the offensive line. Um, That's really hard to develop chemistry up front, and I think that was a big factor of why we were not as successful. And on top of that, um, some poor game plans from Adam Gase as well. So I'm going to grade the offense with a D. You want me to run? All right, I'm going to go with an F. Or do you want to go back and forth? No, no, we'll we'll go back and forth. Yeah, we'll go back and forth. I'm going to go with an F. Uh, 32. 
Like it doesn't get any worse. Um, yeah. Thirty second in the NFL. If there were forty teams, they probably would have been fortieth. Uh, yes, there were issues on the offensive line. Yes, Sam Darnold was not well at times. Uh, but when you're brought in and, and hired as a head coach because you're an offensive guru, you maybe maybe you find a way to finish thirty first. You know, maybe maybe you spend a few extra hours in the office and you get the offense to climb up to thirtieth. Uh, but Adam Gase couldn't manage to do that. They finished 30th. Uh, many of the wins do largely in part to the, the defense. And, and and to be fair, the defense did luck out catching a couple of bad quarterbacks uh, down the stretch. You know, you got uh, the Steelers with, uh, with uh, what was it, Mason Rudolph was hurt, and they were uh, down to the, the Duck Hunter guy. Duck Hodges. Uh, and then, of course, they got the back. Yeah, 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 Duck Hodges. And then you got the – Buffalo's back up in week 17. I get that. But uh, at the, by the same token, you had a lot of Buffalo's backups in week 17 on defense as well. And uh, you managed one touchdown. So, yeah, what Adam Gase's offense. Who as, was that Matt Barkley that roasted us last year? Because he clearly wasn't the same guy in week 17. But our defense clearly was much well, better. Well, again, different, different defense. You know, uh, Todd Bowles versus Greg Williams. I think uh, at this point you have to say Greg Williams is the better option. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't see uh, finishing dead last and, and not giving an F because it, it doesn't get any worse. And you had, again, there were there were issues. Like, I could – listen, if you want to say uh, you had all these injuries, okay, great. You can say, look, we, we were dinged up, nicked up, hurt. Blah, blah, that's why we finished 26th. I can live with that. But uh, 32nd out of 32, I know Joe Douglas tried to put some lipstick on that pig in his press conference and say they did well down the stretch. <laughs> But uh, they were among the worst in the final eight games as well. I think they were 23rd, 24th. So uh, just a bad overall showing. Didn't Le'Veon Bell, I, I said it a million times, 77 snaps out of the slot as a stealer. Under Adam Gase this year, he kind of had like 30-something. Um, so Gase wasn't really sure how to use him. But uh, the good news is Adam Gase has said he's going to go watch some film and figure out what he was good at in Pittsburgh. So uh, good luck, Adam. We got three and a half minutes, Alex. Defense, special teams. Uh, you you have at it, and then I'll have my go. Uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and I'll give a, a B-plus on the defense. I know people are saying, why aren't you giving an A? Um, the only reason why um, I'm going with the B-plus is because we did have some games um, where there were some, some mental breakdowns, mainly because of maybe talent or trying to put guys that were not um, in their normal positions like Brandon Copeland and, and Neville Hewitt. Um, uh, but I, I want to give him a, a B plus. Uh, I think he did a phenomenal job against the run. I think he coached up young players very extremely well. And I think he got a lot out of the guys um, in the tackle box, you know, as far as a couple of the middle linebackers and the defensive linemen are concerned. Yeah, for me on defense, I was torn between B plus and an A, but I, I got to go with an A, uh, not only because of the injuries they overcame. Uh, again, you, you, Canada, Mollett, sixth-round rookie, and Bless Austin. I mean, these were your corners uh, in a league that, that, that relies on the pass. Uh, your linebackers, you would, Burgess led you in tackles, even though he didn't even make the roster or he was cut. They had to bring him back off the couch. Yep. And the, the thing that puts it over the top for me is the development – the way Kyle Phillips and Foley Fadakasi played, those guys, Fadakasi, but they played absolutely fantastic. So the development of the young D linemen, the linebackers playing well, despite being down to their fourth, fifth, sixth guy, 
and and Kennedy and Mollett and and Austin all playing well at corner. I, I again, like I said, they caught some breaks, some bad quarterbacks down the stretch, but all in all, all injuries considered, they're playing with fourth, fifth, sixth stringers, finished in the top ten in the NFL. And th- 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 to me, that's it right there. Like we're saying, Adam Gase, it's okay that he finished thirty second because he had injuries, but Greg Williams had just as many injuries and finished seventh. So they get an A for me. Uh, special teams, we got one minute, 30 seconds, Alex. I'm going to go with uh, a D on this one because um, I can't get over the fact that we didn't have a reliable kicker week one, and that cost us a game um, from being 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, I think Lachlan Edwards had a good year, um, one of the longest averages um, to go. Sam Pickens, you know, inconsistency. Um, won us a few games, but, you know, he, he made us kind of – fighter nails a lot at the end and as far excuse me as the return game uh wasn't really too crazy about that i understand barrios ended up with a decent number at the end of the year but i just kind of felt like our return game was not as great compared to what it was with andre roberts the year prior um so i think you know special teams can be improved upon um for next year all right. Well, this will be our biggest gap, Alex, because I'm giving them a B. Uh, the kicking was bad, but that to me is on Joe Douglas. He didn't get a good kicker. Uh, Mike McCagnan, for all of his faults, found a decent kicker every single year, whether it was Catanzaro when in his full year, Nick Folk. He did a good job finding them kickers, Jason Myers. Uh, Berrios, again, number one, is, if I'm not mistaken, in the NFL, definitely top three in punt return. So I'm not going to knock them for that. They, uh, they had bad kickers. They tried to make uh, chicken salad out of chicken crap. Um, so I'm giving them an A. Nice job by uh, by Brent Boyer and company there. That is it for us this week. Alex, quickly, your Twitter handle before we get cut off. All right, NYJetsLife24, and thanks for stopping by, Jet Nation. All right, Jet Nation, thank you so much for tuning in at Ace23 on Twitter. We will catch you next week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow Glenn on Twitter at AceFan23. And the show can be found at Jet Nation Radio. Until next time, go Jets!